Father, I pray that we would have a heart just like yours, one that uh, desires to know you so that we could share you. And Father, I pray that we would care for those who are around us. I pray that you would awaken our eyes uh, to the people in our concentric circle of relationships that need to know Jesus. I pray that you would, would light a fire within us to come alongside and to invest and to share the hope that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. You may be seated. Someone is happy to see me. If you would find uh, a yellow communication card, that would be uh, appropriate for all of us, guests included. Uh, I think it would be, I want to direct you through that. Uh, guests, I want you to know that we are a praying church, and because we are a praying church, we want to give you an opportunity to write down uh, anything that you would appreciate prayer. Every week we have a different uh, directive uh, for our prayer team, have a group of people who pray every single day and go through the list of prayer needs. And so here's what I want you to know that we'll be praying, and uh, it'll be Isaiah 43:19. And here's what Isaiah 43:19 says. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And the beauty of this verse, whatever you are facing, the beauty is that God says, I want to come alongside and I want to do a new thing, even in the midst of maybe some hard seasons, that God can redeem. That's the beauty of, of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is that God can redeem whatever comes our way. And so in this case, we're asking him to do a new thing. It springs up. Do we not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. And many of you feel like you're kind of in a wilderness and not sure your way out. Some of you feel pretty parched. And it says, I'm making streams in the wasteland. And on the back of the communication card, the yellow communication card, you have a place for you to, uh, to write down prayer requests. And we will certainly pray that God would meet whatever needs that you may have. But we're taking it even a step deeper. And we're going to say, God, would you awaken something new in the people who have filled out the prayer cards? And would you do it in such a way that they don't feel alone? Would you do it in such a way that there is uh, clarity in the midst of, of, of wilderness and that where they just feel worn out and parched and have nothing to give, that there would be water, that, uh, spiritual water, so to speak, uh, holy water, that God would work in your life. And so that would drive the, our prayer request uh, for you today. So you can fill that out uh, in just a moment and drop that in the offering bag at the end of the service. And guess if you'll fill out as much as you're comfortable with, that'd be great. But let me pray for us and then we'll uh, jump into our uh, talk for the day. Father, thank you that you love us and you care for us. And I'm grateful that every person in this room, you are at work in their life or they wouldn't be here. And I pray for those who are worn out that you would give them energy. I pray for those who are uh, in the midst of just not sure what, um, what their next step is. Give them clarity. Give them wisdom beyond what they normally would have. For those who need physical healing, God, even we, we don't want to neglect praying that you would bring healing to people. For those that need healing emotionally and relationally, uh, God, I pray that you would bring that about and that it would be because of your work and not anything that we have done our own. And we want to be sure and give you all uh, the praise and all the glory for this. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, it is good to have you. You're going to need your Bibles, and you may want to jot down uh, a few things that you feel like God may be speaking to you about. If you were not here last week and you have not been online uh, to listen to last week's uh, uh, celebration service, please do me a favor, and it, you'll be so glad you did. Uh, it's just a time of us looking over the last 35 years of where we've been and looking at some common themes and recurring themes that we just think are highly important that have set us up for the next 35 years or at least for the next season, maybe not 35. We'll see uh, what God, how God leads. Uh, but we are very interested in making sure of the following thing. Here's where we landed last week. One thing that has been consistent has been our desire for every person who encounters a new covey. So when I talk about a new covey, I'm talking about you. None of you are exempt. When people come in contact with a new covey, and by the way, in a moment we'll talk about what the church is. The church, literal, the word means called out ones. And so when we refer to the church, we're not just referring to our gathering at 9.30 or 11, but we're, we're talking about the church would be those who, of us who made a commitment to Jesus Christ. We are the called out ones. And so our desire, and this has been our desire and will continue to be our desire, is that every person who comes in contact with you, beginning this afternoon when you tip really well at the restaurant, that they would feel seen, that they would feel known, they would feel loved, they would feel invited into the community with Jesus Christ and other followers of Jesus. Can you imagine if every person you came in contact with that you made eye-to-eye contact and, and helped them to feel seen and known and loved and valued and invited into relationship with Jesus Christ. That'll be a driver for us from here on out. That will never change. The passage that we just looked at in Isaiah 43, if you were not here last week, uh, our founding pastor spoke about it. It is the founding verse upon New Cov, and it continues to be the founding verse for us. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And notice the first person pronoun. It's God who's doing it. So we are pursuing the heart of God like, like, all, like none of the time to say, God, what are you doing and what are you seeing in, in the society that we as a church need to bring hope and light and point people to Jesus? How can we do that more effectively? And God, we want you to do that when it seems almost impossible. As you know, in 1985, New Cove was born, and it was born out of a need uh, to do church differently, to do whatever it takes to reach the unchurched in our community. And we became known as a community of first-generation believers who thought outside the box. In fact, there were no gray hairs. There were no people like me when New Cove started. It was all brand-new believers. And so having the wisdom of the church, it's taken a while for some of us to grow older, uh, but it was a, a church of first generation. We had to fight the tendency, and still we had to fight the tendency to become comfortable because what happens when something works, we tend to get lazy and say, it's working, and so we just rest on that. Again, we want to make sure that it's working, but many times we can get comfortable. And so when we built this building in 2005, symbolically we made a decision or we made a decision that symbolically we would show our community and in particular show new cove that we exist to reach people who don't know christ and so here's what we did 
Everybody brought their shovels, and we faced outward in our community. So when we took our first dig into, the, into this, the perimeter of this building, it was all, as you dug and pulled out, you were looking out to say, this church will always be thinking in terms of how can we reach people who don't know Jesus? And we still exist for that very same reason. But so much has changed in our church and our culture since 1985. So much <laughs> has changed. So much has changed. Yeah, just wait 35 years from now what I'll look like, you know. So, so um, we used to use one of these. It's called a phone book. Okay, just want you to know. Uh, we also use one of these and one of these. That's a car phone bag. I don't know if you guys would know what that is. Uh, we use one of these. Only it's not blinking. It should be blinking 12, 12, 12. Oh, we also used this. That's called cash. Yeah, okay, just thought you might need to know that. Binging Netflix wasn't even a term. And it sure wasn't a verb as it is now, binging Netflix. We used to shop this way. Now we shop this way. We used to have one of these. And now we talk this way. We used to listen to music this way. That's called a record player. Okay. Phonograph. Now we listen to music this way. Oh, we used to do an, uh, an old, old thing. No one ever does this anymore. But we used to, to write letters. Yeah. Now we communicate this way. Our message hasn't changed, but our methods sure have. And it's so important that we are constantly looking to say, if God, God hadn't brought us this far to leave us where we are, and so we've got to be very careful to say, are we effectively taking the name of Jesus in, into a generation of people who don't know him? America has changed so much since 1985. It's moved from Christian to post-Christian uh, culture. It's moved faster than people have imagined. And it's soon, there's talking that it soon will match the secularization found in places like Europe, like Asia, Australia, Canada, and other Western nations. In fact, there's a phrase, many of you know, called the knowns. And the knowns are those who have no religious affiliation. Brace yourself when you hear this. The knowns have now emerged as the largest religious demographic in the U.S., largest, larger than evangelicals and larger than Roman Catholics, those who have no religious affiliation. So that kind of leaves us with a, uh, with a statement here. Leading people to Jesus in a world that's moving away from Jesus, which it is, is an increasingly difficult challenge, but it's also an increasingly larger opportunity. And so that excites us. Not that people are moving away from Jesus, but just think, look at how many opportunities we have to share Jesus. We have an entire generation of young people, and our church is literally surrounded by young people who have no religious background at all, and they need Jesus. And New Cove exists to point people to Jesus because we're New Cove and because we listen to the heartbeat of Jesus and say, what does God's heart have to say about people who don't? who don't know Jesus. In fact, 
The word church was first mentioned not by Paul but by Jesus. And listen to this in Matthew 16, 13, page 983. Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and then here's the, the turner. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You're the Redeemer. You're the Rescuer. You're the one in whom all of our hope is based, not in other people or other things, but you are the one who's coming. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, this rock meaning Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is our rescuer, Jesus is our hope. In your prayer request, Jesus is the one who brings about new life, who makes a way in the wilderness, who makes uh, water to come when you feel like you are, are, are totally thirsty and without. Jesus is, is our hope. He said, it, that is what I'm going to base this church on, this rock. Will, I will, and then he says, I will build my church against it. And the beauty says, and even the knowns can't destroy it. Even those who are anti-God can't destroy it. And the evil one certainly can't destroy it. So Jesus said, no, I, I will build my church in the beauty. Guess who the architect of New Covenant is? It's Jesus. And so we listen to the heart of, heart of Jesus say, what is the heartbeat of Jesus? And what does he have? What does he want us to do in the new season that we're headed into? How do we follow him? He is the architect. And the beauty of it is his idea. And, and when he mentioned it, the church wasn't even built yet, so he's talking about us, and he says, I will build my church. He's in the process of building it, and he says, here's how we're going to do it. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be new coveys. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be witnesses. You will point people to Jesus right where you are, and in your concentric next circle, and your next concentric circle, and even all the way to Turkey, where we'll be headed in just a couple of weeks, that we, we take the name of Jesus, where we, that wherever new coveys are, that we live in such a way that we point people to Jesus. As in the past, even today, young people, they care about their families. They care deeply for their kids. They feel more pressured than ever, though, more than ever before, to, to make sure their children don't miss out. And so this fear of missing out is rampant. Now let me get on a soapbox for just a moment, and when I make a comment, then the doors are locked, so you just have to live with what I say for a moment. This is the most family-centric place I have ever lived. And in some cases, it's too much. Because, in my opinion... It is driven by whatever the kids want instead of parents saying what is best for our family. They drive, the kids drive the decision-making of, I want to be in this, I want to be in this, I want to be in this, I want to be in this. And as a result, our families become overextended and under-resourced. And so what has happened, now I'll get back to what I think Jesus says. That was just my opinion there. 
But I think families feel more pressured than ever to make sure their kids don't miss out. And so they have them involved in things, and now they're involved in things that happen on Sundays and Wednesdays, which used to be uh, sacred times. And so even, even our most active people are off numerous times over the weekends because of being involved. And so we, we, we're in a new era of trying to figure out what do we do with this. Business is at an all-time high. Families generally feel pro, uh, overcommitted. And so we're going to do everything we can to try to bring about convenient ways for busy families, busy young people to come in contact with Jesus. We must reclaim the edge and passion of our past to say New Cove exists to reach and develop, reach and develop, reach and develop. So what is God's heart? You're going to love this passage. You want to jot it down. John 17, 20. Jesus is praying with his disciples, and then he starts praying for you and me. See, see where you catch this. John 17, Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, so he's praying for the disciples that were right there with him. He said, but I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just, just as you and I are one. And Father, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus, motivated by his love, his heart of love, he prays for the next generation. He wasn't just praying for those that are right in front of him. He said, I'm praying for those who will end up hearing that, hearing the name of Jesus and hearing the word, hearing, hearing the, the, the uh, uh, talk, talk about pointing people to Jesus. So that means he was praying for you and for me. We were in that prayer, and he was praying that you and I would receive Christ. And notice there, he didn't just stop at that point. He was praying for the next generation and not just to know him but to share him. And so the call to New Cove, and when again, remind you, when I say New Cove, I'm saying each of us individually, we're to know Jesus, to become fully devoted followers of Christ, but not to keep it to ourselves, but to say, God, where do you have me? And Jesus put it this way. He said, I want you to go and make disciples wherever you go. As you are going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you. And so Jesus, the very last thing he said was a reminder, why do you and I exist as followers of Jesus? We exist to know him and to share him. Know him and share him. Know him and share him. The more secularized and post-Christian our culture becomes, the more our church's heart must enlarge for others. We just, it, it, it's going to be more and more difficult to reach people who will never show up here on a weekend. And so we have to make sure that as we move out into the community, they see Jesus in us. So here's a prayer I'd like for you to pray every single day this week. And I think it will change to be a prayer that you just pray every day. You may want to take a screenshot of it. Here's how Jesus would want you to live. Jesus I want you, how would you have me live my life given my DNA? Jesus, how would you want me to live my life given my vocation? How would you want me to live my life given my weaknesses? Given my origin? How would you want me to live my life given my current stage of life? 
How would you want me to live my life given my training that I have, given my influence, and given my affluence? Can you imagine what would happen just in the 9.30 and 11 o'clock group as we move out if we began to pray, say, God, how would you want me to live my life given, and you just list all this, including those of you who put in prayer requests, God, how would you want me to live my life given that this area of my life still is a mess? How would you want me to live? Because what we're saying is we need to pursue God's heart and act and live the way God would want us to. We must be a church that makes it clear and simple to get connected to Christ and to others. Clear and simple, not complicated. And so let me encourage you, please don't underestimate the significance of where you are today. To quote our founding pastor, if you're not dead, you're not done. And so God is not through with you. So don't underestimate the significance of where you are. God has assembled us for such a time as this. God has you exactly where he wants you in this particular time. He surrounded you with the very fact of people who their best chance of knowing Jesus is to be around you. Otherwise, if that wasn't the case, God would put them somewhere else. And so for us to raise our awareness of saying God's heart is for people to come to know Jesus. And so who has he put around me? And how can I leverage my influence and my affluence and, and my, my, my upbringing and my weaknesses? How can I leverage all these? How would Jesus, Jesus, how would you want me to live my life? God didn't bring us this far to leave us where we are. He didn't bring you this far to leave you where you are. So in your current situation, whether you are married, single, divorced, widowed, working, a parent, affluent, or not so much. God wants to start here and now. He just needs you to be available. And he can make you able to do whatever he's called you to do because it's the Spirit of God who will live and flow through you. Over the past year and a half, we have been meeting with a consultant helping us evaluate how well are we engaging with the current culture of where God has us. And so we've been looking at some very intentional adjustments that we need to make to reach the next generation coming behind us and move us out of maintenance mode. Hear that? Move us out of maintenance mode. We were made aware. We had some secret shoppers come in and just do some meandering and meeting with people and and these were some conclusions that came to we were made aware that we had moved from sustained health sustained health is where we want to be on the growth curve and we're a little to the right of that in some areas we've moved to maintenance mode and that's unacceptable not on my watch and not on our watch so what do we do we do what new Cowboys does we make adjustments because the sake of the world matters so much because God's heart is for the world. And so we think, what do we need to do to do this? So we kind of claimed the, uh, the, the phrase, they understood the times. These people of Issachar, there were 200 leaders. They understood the times, and they were the best course for Israel to take. And so we've been having lots of conversations saying, how can we be on the cutting edge of saying, how do we reach and develop? How do we reach and develop given the fact that we're surrounded by knowns? What do we do? How do we, how do we share 
Jesus effectively. Chris Hodges in the Daniel Dilemma, he speaks about this and he talks about when culture shifts and he says, and it will always shift. So we don't have an option to say, quit changing. We can't do that. That's just not reality. It changes all around us. We change. He says, when culture shifts, and it always will, we can feel angry, we can be threatened, we can be frustrated, we can withdraw, we can attack and condemn those who don't think like we think. But he said, the good news of the gospel means we don't have to become paralyzed by extremes. We can be the calm in the midst of our cultural storm. And so, yes, it is easier to disagree uh, it's easier to disagree and try to avoid. It's easier to judge and condemn. It's easier to acquiesce and just accept anything, but not on our watch. We're not going to do that. Chris Hodges goes on to say, while God calls us to be his people set apart, he also commands us to go into all the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, over the next few years, driven by God's love, we're going to remove obstacles that keep people from embracing the good news of Jesus. And over the next four weeks, we'll talk about in detail how that will happen. Let me just do a quick flyover and give you some ideas of what we're thinking about. One, our digital online presence has got to increase. Uh, it has become our website, our digital online presence has become a front door for the curious, the skeptic, the interested. In fact, by the time people come to New Cove for the very first time, they've been on our website long before that. And so we need to get our act together online. Right now, you show up and it has a plethora of opportunities if you can figure out where they are. And so if you can stay at it, you'll figure it out. But we're going to say, not, not on our watch. We're going to make it simple and clear how to get connected and how to grow. We're going to make some changes. I'll talk about that in, in just a moment. Uh, our digital presence also ne needs to be a place where people can come and, and be exposed to the gospel until they feel like it's safe enough to come here or if they ever come here. We want to have a presence of pointing people to Jesus online. And it's a great place for people who are out of town on weekends to be able to come and to be caught up on what is happening at our church and not feel left out of the loop. Newcovchurch.org will be a gateway. It's not a gateway now. It's a mess. But newcovchurch.org will be a gateway for guests. Newcovchurch.org will be the go-to, the first stop to help people get connected and stay connected, and we'll address some discipleship opportunities online in just a moment. But we're going to give huge energy and, and work on that. Secondly, we're committed to addressing the needs of young people, uh, married and not married. And we just feel like that we've got to help them navigate the huge demands and opportunities and expectations that are crowding them in. And when they're around new coveys, again, you and me, we want to develop a relationship with them where we can free them to trade busyness for purpose. When they hang out with us, that they, are, they, they see people who are driven by purpose, something bigger than just making an income. Those who are parents, we want them engaged 
and we want them to come confident and intentional and connected, that they're not parenting on their own, but they have a group of people who will help them. We'll be a church committed to growing our hearts for others and impacting those around us. And as you know, not only is God bringing uh, uh, the world, well, the God's bringing the world to us, and so because of that, our global outreach will include supporting a growing refugee uh, population in Lincoln, one family at a time. And we're in the process of, of moving toward our second family. So what does that mean? People of New Cub, we're going to share the gospel. And again, what is the gospel? It's just saying, what did Jesus build his church on? That Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm your salvation. And so we get to be the bearer of great news to people to point them to Jesus. Third, uh, worship is still going to be a very important thing for us because passionate worship is the activity of God. We're committed to engagement and passionate corporate worship. And so we will do everything we can to create the best environment for everybody who comes on, on weekends to engage in meaningful worship and make sure that we create the best opportunity for people to take one step closer to Jesus regardless of where they are in their relationship with Christ. Train our hearts and our minds for the truth of Jesus through the lyrics and through the songs we sing. Also, because discipleship is so important, reach, develop, reach, develop, is what Jesus said. We're going to do our best to create an environment that will produce spiritually mature followers of Christ unlike any other time. That means providing a simple and clear growth path for children, a clear and simple growth path for students, a clear and simple growth path for young adults, a clear and simple pathway for seasoned adults. That's like people like me. And all who are connected to Christ do everything we can to reach and develop, reach and develop. So how are we going to do this? Let me point you to two things and then we'll land the plane. First of all, we're going to pursue God's heart and depend on Him. It's so important that we pursue God's heart and we depend on Him. Zechariah 4, 6 says, This is what the Lord says. It's not by force or might or strength, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We're going to pursue God and allow Him to work through us wherever He has us. Ian Bounds put it this way. What the church needs today is people whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer, mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods. He flows through people. He does not anoint plans. He anoints people. will be people of prayer. We're going to depend on God. We're going to listen to what does the heart of God say, and then how do we align our lives to the heart of God? The heart of God has got to drive us in the Spirit of God. And secondly, we're going to do it together, by the way. There's no better way than doing it together. We're just better together. Romans 12 4 to 5 says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a function. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to one another. So we're going to do this together. It'll take all of us being new cove in our community, wherever God has us. Because what we want is that for a place, in a culture of disconnection, we want to offer belonging. That's what the Spirit of God will do through you, where people around you and they feel seen and noticed and valued and wanted, they're gonna, we're going to offer belonging. When people are overwhelmed, we're going to offer hope. Why? Because they're pointing people to Jesus. 
Say, look what Jesus has done in my life, and look how he's transformed my life. When fear and anxiety cripple, we're going to offer peace with God and peace with each other. In order for us to move forward, there are just a few visual changes in addition to a plethora of things we're going to be doing relationally and spiritually in our development. But there's some things that we want to address, uh, some visual things, as well as eliminating our debt. And so I want you to give, give you some great news. This part is not so great, but what's coming is. Five years ago, we owed $1,834,814.09 on our building, the building we're in. Drum roll, please, for the good news. As of this day, we owe $543,126. Yeah. That is gigantic. In five years, to bring in $1,291,688 to bring that to, 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 to New Cove. And God did that through consistent giving. We give liberally at, at New Covenant. So you're a part of that amazing progress that we've made. It's come through uh, some land sales. We took the sale of some property and we put it directly into our debt. And there have been some people who've given above and beyond. And so all of us together have done that. And so our plan is to uh, get rid of our debt. In fact, when we get rid of our debt... That's going to leave us $10,000 a month to be able to invest in people who don't know Jesus and develop them. Is that not a crazy thing? $10,000 a month. So we're going to do this in three phases, and we think we can do it in a year maybe. So here's, not maybe, yes. I was thinking of some other issues that need to be done like a parking lot. Phase one, we want to refresh our children's area, gathering space, and signage for 100000 and put 200000 towards our debt. So here's some amazing new news. We already have $300,000 ready to go tomorrow for these things. So our building debt is going to go down to $343,000 as of tomorrow whenever we get the check over there. Amazing. Again, it's just people giving and us setting it aside. And so phase one, we can get started because we have money in hand. And by the way, from here on out, we move only as we have cash. And so we will make sure that we move in healthy directions. <laughs> phase two, update our first building and continue putting money towards the remaining uh, 343000 And then phase three, add live streaming to our services. It will really help uh, us with our online presence uh, and finish eliminating the debt and all this are means to an end and we think we can have this done by March of next year and we're going to uh, give you an opportunity to say how are we going to do this and how am I going to be a part of it it will not be equal uh, equal gifts will be equal sacrifice all of us just do what we can and God will lead us to do that truly I do believe that the best is yet to come because I'm looking at the best. You guys are amazing, and I believe God has us po uh, positioned and poised uh, to reach our world for Jesus Christ. Your next step, shock of all shocks, pursue God's heart. That's what we're about. We want to pursue God's heart 
like no other time before. So let me pray for us and then we'll give our offerings. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us and you care for us. And thank you that your heart is one of love for us. And we get to receive that. And now we get to share it. Father, may New Cub be a place where we point people to the only hope there is in Jesus Christ. And Father, may we help develop them. May we develop in our own walk with God. I pray that you will continue to bless our church as we move forward, as we make a decision to reach those who don't know Jesus and develop them and us into becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give our offerings.